Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. Amen. And again, thank you so much for being here this morning. We are going to start a brand new series, and I hope many of you got the email this week that came out that we try to send out every month as to what's going on. And we're starting a new series entitled Live Generous. And the, the point or the idea of this series is that we would, uh, we would be challenged. And I'm just going to read straight from the email this morning. But it says that we would be, that we will be challenge each of us in our lives as to how we live every day. Generosity isn't about you or I having an abundance of abundance and then giving, them, giving from that. It is you and I having an open heart, an open mind and hands towards God and then acting on that to walk through the open doors that God would give us daily. One of the things that I do every year, whether it's liked or it's not liked, because I know this is the type of a topic that not everybody loves to be a part of, but I try to do some form of a stewardship series every single year. And I know that it's always one of those, the dreaded thing in a church world. And and so, but as I was going through and as I was studying and as I was thinking, one of the things is that I thought of, one, where we are in our church and the things that God is doing and, and, and some of that is, one, I've had this sermon series planned out for almost a year. God knew exactly where we would be and God knew exactly what would be going on at Oasis Baptist Church today that I did not have any clue on a year ago. But secondly, as I started to think about this, if you go throughout Scripture, and I probably don't have to tell any of you in here this, but... Jesus speaks more about money than he does heaven or hell combined. And so some of you are like, yeah, because he just loves, he wants your money. Well, let me just inform you of this, and maybe this will help your thinking as we go through this series. Jesus could care less about money. He could give two rips about money. And you go, well, then why would he speak of all that? Let me just, if, if God cared so much about money... Answer this question for me. Why in the world would he have put Judas in charge of the treasury? Knowing that Judas would sell him out for how much? 30 pieces of silver. He really doesn't care about money. When we look at stewardship and we look at all of these different things and and we get into this series to live generous, it is not at all about finances. It's not about any of those things. And if you are worried, if you are getting really nervous because at the end of this four-week series that pastor is going to stand here and and I'm going to ask you to give more money and we're going to do a tithe pledge and we're going to do a building fund and we're going to do any of those things that happen around the time that a pastor would speak about money, none of that's happening. Because here's my heart behind this. I could care less about your money or what you give to this church. And I'm just being really, really honest. I really don't care. Yes, I'm the pastor. And yes, this church pays me a salary. And and yes, your tithes help my family. We'll just be real honest. We all know that. But it has nothing to do with finances. And this series is really, it's nothing to do with finances. This series, and this is my challenge to you as we go through the next four weeks, today and the next three weeks, is that you would think about living generous 
as really almost a worldview or a lifestyle. Not about giving anything financially. Because here's why. Most of us look at being generous and we would go, well, that's for the people that have lots of money. They have a little bit extra and, and, and they can give something. They can be generous because they're just, they're living it up and they've got more than they can handle and they need to be generous. Right? Have you watched any of the politics lately? The rich people have more and they should be able to give it out to everybody else. And we don't need to go into that whole conversation, but that's, that's our culture. Well, they have enough, so they should pay more taxes. They should pay this. They should, well, okay, whatever. So it's either that generous living is that those people can do that because they are wealthy and they have something to be generous with, or we would say in the church world, well, those people are the, the super spiritual people. They're the people that are the, the good Christians. They're the high and mighty Christians, and they do those things. Well, my in- attempt and my, the purpose of this series, Living Generous, is that you would look at this and you would think through and you would look at your life and you would think of all these things. Living Generous has nothing to do with how much you have or how super spiritual that you are. Because each and every one of us has the opportunity every single day to be generous in our lives. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about a number of different things. And as I said, it is a stewardship type of a series, but it really has nothing to do. There will be no series in here that I will say, give money. There's no sermon based on that. It's our principle that we would live generously and give back to God and give to others based on God giving to us and us loving God. And so this morning the series is entitled Open Heart, or the sermon is entitled Open Heart. We're going to be in Luke chapter 12 this morning. But before I go and read some of that, I want to read a couple passages and I'm going to kind of reiterate some more that Jesus doesn't really care about money. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 8 and verse number 9, it says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, for my sake, he became poor, that ye, or that us, that we through his poverty would be rich. In Luke 9 and verse 58, most of us could quote this passage of scripture Jesus said unto him foxes have holes the birds of the air have nests but the son of man hath not where to lay his head again it's not about a financial situation stewardship and giving and all of these things that we will deal with in some regard over the next couple weeks have nothing to do with finances if it had something to do with finances Jesus would have never left heaven where he had everything he had gold he had all the things and he could do whatever he wanted to do he would have never left that to have nowhere to lay his head but he did so why so that you and I could be rich how many of you would say this morning I am rich <laughs> some of you we if you know Christ, you're rich. 
If you know Christ, you're rich. Christ did not come so that we would have more material things. Christ did not come so that churches would get more and more and more millions. Christ did not come for any of those things. He came that we could be forgiven of sins, that we could have a relationship. He came that we would know Him and the power of His resurrection. And so when we go through all of these things for the next few weeks, again, it's I want to I try to do my best to, to let you know this isn't finances, this isn't any of these things, though it is a stewardship-principled sermon series. It is you and I living a lifestyle, almost having a worldview that says, God, where can you use me today? God, my heart is open to you. My hands are out to you. My mind is open to you so that I will walk through the doors that you place in front of me every single day. And that is the heart behind the series that we are going to get into this morning. And so in Luke chapter number 12, we'll start in verse number 13. We will go through verses 21. So Luke chapter 12 and verse number 13, And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? I don't know about you, and I'm just going to pause this for a minute. This is kind of a comical little couple verses. Um, I don't know how many of you enjoy going with people, and they're like, Well, it would be like me saying to you, Well, Aaron thinks. Well, self, what do you think about that? And this is basically the conversation that's going on right here. The man says, and I'll repeat that, and again, you might not think it's funny, but I think it's funny when people talk talk to themselves. And he thought within himself, saying, Self, what shall I do? Because I have no, no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all of my fruits and my goods. And he goes a step further. And he says, and I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Have you ever just thought to yourself, you looked in the mirror, soul, it's been a good day. It's been a good life. Why don't you just sit down, kick your feet up, and relax? Hey, that's a good thought. Thanks, mirror. That's what he did. Soul, I'm okay. Look at all these things that, you, that I have. My fruits, my abundance, my this, my this. And he says, soul, I don't know, maybe, that's, maybe I'm just weird, but I think that's kind of comical. Anybody just, but, so he says in verse 20, But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. Father God, I thank you for the day and I thank you so much for your word. Lord, I pray that today it would be a day that you would be in, uh, you would challenge us and encourage us in your word. God, that we would take the things that are said, the things that are written within your word, and that we would apply it to our lives. And God, that our life would be that of, 
of being open-hearted to you, that we would live a generous life waiting and, and yearning, God, for you to allow us to, to show you to somebody else through something that we do. God, I ask that you be with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. And so here we come to the beginning of this passage, and Jesus was teaching, and if you go back and read through the, the, the previous verses and things, you can read that, but Jesus was teaching, he was dress, addressing the, the disciples in a couple different things, and he was warning them, and one of the things that he was warning them was about some of the judicial things that were taking place. And immediately as the judicial side of things were taking place, you've got this one little man, he says, hey, Jesus, hey, I was, I was just given an inheritance, or I'm in, an, I'm in a legal situation with my brother, and I lost. The inheritance didn't go the way that it was supposed to go. Can you get involved, is basically what took place. While we're talking about judicial things, why don't you get involved in my judicial manner? And Jesus stops, and he basically looks at the guy, and he says, that's none of my business. The judicial system already did their thing. They do it according to the law that was given to them back in Deuteronomy, and we are done. Kind of the initial start of this story here. But as we get into it a little bit deeper, Jesus, though he made that, made that statement in verse 14, man who made me a judge, or what he said unto him, man who made me a judge or a divider over you, who made me this? I'm not, that's not what I do. But even if you look a little bit deeper into it, or maybe I'm looking into it a little bit deeper, have you ever had a conversation with somebody? Has anybody ever came to you and sought your advice or sought your counsel, and they begin to ask you questions, and you, you're, you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, do I really or do they really want what needs to be said? Have you ever had that? Because many times people will come in to get counsel because they want the band-aid and they want you to tell them the right thing that will make them feel happy so that they can leave. But the reality is they need surgery. And all I can do is give them the band-aid. Or, here's what Jesus does. Jesus looks at the man in verse 15 and he says, Take heed and beware of covetousness. He looks at the guy and he says, Really, it has nothing to do with your inheritance. Nobody, you don't care about the inheritance of it. You don't care about your brother's inheritance. You have a coveting problem. You just want more so that you can have more. And Jesus just got right down to the heart of it and he says, your problem isn't the, the inheritance. Your problem is you have a coveting issue. Warren Wearsby says this, covetousness is an unquenchable thirst for getting more and more of something we think we need in order to be truly satisfied. Here's what most of us think in this room on a, on a typical normal basis when the word coveting comes up. In this regard. We think of finances and that I just covet more and more and more of it. This morning as we go through this and this morning as we get into this, each and every one of us has a coveting issue in some regard or another most of us do i'm not gonna lie i i joke about it often my cool sunfire hey i i covet cars often i'm like man i wish i had that I'm not gonna lie i want one 
It's not funny. Sorry. He was like, he talked about money. It's time to shut it down. But no, coveting isn't just finances. Many people, most people would, would talk of it as, yes, I have a coveting issue and I need more and more and more and more money. Some people need more and more and more and more things. Some people need more and more and more and more positions and titles and things before their name so that they look better and better and better and better. Because we have a problem with the need of self and selfishness. Coveting also ultimately comes back to me. If I need more money, if I need more things, if I need more digits or letters before my name, if I need more, a better title on my placard in front of my office door, if I need more power, if I need whatever it is, we need more and more of it. It's nothing to do with necessarily finances. It's a matter of the heart. And so as we get into the sermon today and as we get into these points, we're going to look at a few different things that are going to take us through some of this idea of living generous this morning. And so the first point is this, is that each and every one of us have a dilemma. If we were to go to this passage, this man had a dilemma. The man that we are looking at in verse number 16, the parable starts with, "...the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, and he thought within himself, what shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruits?" Each and every one of us has a dilemma. Now, your dilemma may not be, what do I do with all of my money? This particular man's dilemma was, what do I do with all of these things, all of my fruit, all of my stuff that is just the the crop that I just harvested was incredible, and what do I do with it? Most of us in this room aren't going, man, this this is a struggle of life. What do I do with my bags of money? And this man decided as to what he would do. What do we do with the things we are blessed with? Each and every one of us faces that every single day. And many of you would sit here and say, but pastor, I'm not wealthy. Pastor, I don't have a lot of things. Pastor, I, I don't have a nice car. I don't have a nice car nice house or I'm just I just live a normal average life in the mer- in America. I don't what do you mean? What do I do with all of these blessings? I mean just what I said. What do I do with all of these blessings? We live in the wealthiest country in the world or at least it once was. I don't know if it still is. We live in the greatest country in the world. We live in a place where the abundance is always the problem. Very rarely is it the lack of that is the problem. We live in a place where that question is need to be answered every single day. What do I do with the blessings that God has given to me? How do I teach and lead my family the blessing of four children? What do I do with the blessing of having a wife What do I do with the blessing of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and knowing what eternity holds and knowing what the hope is of my future? What do I do with, as most of you raised your hand when you said, yes, I am rich in Him. What do I do with that? See, many of us will leave this morning and we will take our Bible 
or many of you don't even have a Bible today, and I don't mean that in a derogatory sense, but you have your iPad or your phone or whatever it is that you pull up your phone with, your Bible with. But we will put it on the shelf, and next Sunday or the next time that you attend church, you will grab it here, and then you will bring it. Some of you will leave it on the chair so that your chair is saved for the next time that you get here. What do I do with Jesus Christ? Do I leave him on the shelf? Do I leave the blessing of God's word on the shelf and pick it up when it's convenient because church is next week? What do I do with those things? Again, it has nothing to do with a final situation or a financial situation. It comes back to having an open heart and looking at how do I live generous? The dilemma that you and I face is different than the dilemma that somebody in Iran faces when it comes to knowing Jesus Christ as Savior. They're trying to figure out how do I stay alive. They're trying to uh, get a corner of God's Word so that they can memorize it and read it and read it and read it and memorize it and read it and read it and reading it. That's their dilemma. Ours, we're slightly blessed. I said this on Wednesday night in our Bible study when we were talking within the, the small group setting on Wednesday night, going through our, 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 the small group that we're going through, that when we talk about being generous and we talk about Christianity, we talk about all these things, the wealth of this country and how it hurts and hinders you and I as believers. Because things that are problems for you and I are not a problem in most places around the world. See, in our country, we get upset if we take the hymnal off of the pew and we put it on a screen. In their country, they're wishing they had a part of the Bible. In our country, we get upset at the version of the Bible. They get upset at if there is a Bible. In our country, we look at all of these things Is my programming correct? In their country, they just want to get together, pray, and read God's Word. The wealth and the dilemma that we face is real. I know most of us, we don't like to think in those terms, but it's real. It's a real problem that we have to face. What do I do with that blessing that God has given to me? God's word says in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 22, He also that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world. And it says this, The deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. We think that we're okay. What is our dilemma? Because we stop. We make issues of things that aren't issues. And we live selfishly. As we start this series and we look into this sermon again, what do we do with the blessing that God has given to each of us? It's definitely something that we face. It's definitely something that we need to look at. It's definitely something as a church that we need to evaluate Not just you as an individual, but me as a leader of a group of people. What are we doing and how can we do better at being generous as a church? 
as we close out this point this morning, as we recognize that there is, it's one of those things, it's kind of like going to AA, you have to admit that you have a problem, like my name is and I have a problem. We can stand here today, my name is and I have a dilemma, what am I going to do with the blessing that God has given to me? Maybe a bad analogy, but that's the reality of it. And once we recognize that we have a dilemma, once we recognize that there's an issue, that there's something that needs to be dealt with, then what is the decision that needs to be made? The next point being that, the decision. Again, we are all faced with the dilemma. Now what do we do with it? This particular gentleman said, look, I've got all of these things. I've got all of this stuff. What do I do with it? My barns are not big enough. I'm assuming, based on God's word, it says that he was a rich man. Prior to this, he had financial wealth. My other assumption is that he had never experienced the abundance that he happened to experience in that partaking of the crops. Because if he had, then he would have had all of the barns that he already needed. So he says, what do I do? Here's my dilemma. I've got more money bags than I know what to do with. So what does he do? He tears everything down, builds them up. His decision was, look what I have done. Look how great that I am. And you know what? We're just going to sit over here and we're going to be, eat, drink, and be merry. That was his decision. See, each and every one of us has to make a decision. He could have said, just like each and every one of us could say, God Ah, wow. I, have, I can't imagine, what do I do with this? God, I, I, I know there's homeless people down the road. I know there's people down there that need. I know there's people that I deal with on a regular basis that, that could use a hand. Their, their, their food isn't as plenteous as mine. And, and God, whatever that comes my way, Lord, I'm just going to give that back to you. Just like all of us can do the same thing. But he said, I'm just going to tear it all down and I'm going to build it back up and I'm just going to sit here and for as many years as left in my life, I'm going to be set because I have everything that I need and look what I have done. Look what I have done. We all have a decision to make. If you read this passage He says 11 times in those two or three verses, my or I. Take heed and beware of covetousness. And 16, sorry. The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater And there will I bestow all of my fruits and my goods. This dude had a whole lot of liking of himself. My and I get us in a whole lot of trouble. Because my and I have one intention, one purpose, and one thought, and that's me. Selfishness. God actually says something quite different is that we should have no thought of tomorrow. God's word speaks very plainly of all of those things, that if the birds 
if the sparrow would have room or have a, a home and a place to lay his head, then, then why would I as a human, why would I as a person be afraid that God would not take care of me? This isn't a matter of God just saying, be dumb and waste all your money and don't be smart and don't invest or don't do any of those things. No, it's a heart issue. The guy had a heart issue. Here was the, here's the decision of Jesus. Here's the decision that Jesus made. In Philippians chapter number 2, if you've been with us for any period of time, we've actually went through this passage of Scripture. It's on the screens, I believe. But in Philippians chapter number 2, Starting in verse number 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And here's what God did when he had a decision to make. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, Given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Hey, here's the decision that you and I have to make. We all have a dilemma of being blessed. Some of us, it's harder to realize that we are blessed because different people at different times think differently. Some of you are going through the biggest trial that you've ever faced in your life and you're trying to think, where in the world is that blessing? Others of you are sitting at the other end going, man, God has been so good to me. This week has been incredible, and you're just praising Jesus, and all of a sudden, that's easy. When you're sitting here thinking about this and the blessings of God, you're like, yes, God is awesome. Others of you are going, no, I don't even know that God's around anywhere. I haven't seen him for months or years. But each and every one of us have been blessed. And the decision that each and every one of us have to make is, what do I do with it? Will I sit here? And let me challenge you this morning. Your decision should be, as a believer, to do what God has called us to do, which is to take up our cross daily and give it back to Him. Because it's not about you and it's not about me. See, the dilemma of blessing leads to a decision, but that decision is based on the desires that we have. This man had one desire. And that desire was to make sure that he was well cared for. The next point is that, just desires. There was nothing else for him. And here's what I said, and I kind of joked with it earlier, but he looked, and I'm being facetious or silly, but he basically looked in the mirror and said, Soul, hey, I'm, I'm great. Look at all of these things that I have. I've got years and years of plenty, and I will be well taken care of. So I think it would be a great idea if I just sit here and eat, drink, and be merry. I don't need to lift another finger. I don't need to do another thing. And the heart of everything that we will get at in the next few weeks is just that, the desire that we have. I've stressed this, I've preached this, I've opened God's Word to passage after passage after passage and, and over the course of the last, especially the last year, year and a half. But the desires of our heart, are they Him? I've said it as a part of our core value. One of them is to know Him. The greatest thing, one of the greatest things that we need and that we can have is to know Him. 
We've said this a lot over the last three to six months. If eternity, when God's word speaks of eternity, is to know him, then there's really not much greater of a desire that we should have in our lives than to get to know Jesus Christ in an intimate and personal manner. But here's my problem. My desire is me. My desire is oftentimes just like this man's desire. Look at all the things that I have. Look at all that God has blessed me with. Look at all of this stuff. God, thank you for doing this for me. Man, I've worked so hard. I've put in so much time. I deserve this. Thank you that I can just be blessed because of how great you are. No. That's all selfish motivation. So much of that is selfish motivation. The desire is not Him. Our desire has to and needs to be Him. In Psalm 37 In verse number 4, it says, delight ourselves in the Lord. And then at the end of that, then He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Psalm 37, verse 5, the very next verse, commit your way to the Lord, trust Him, and He shall bring it to pass, or then He will act, He will see that through. Proverbs chapter 16 and verses 2 and 3. All the ways of man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. You say, what what does all of that have to do? Here's what our desires ought to be. If we look at 37, 4, and 5 out of the book of Psalms, it says that first we must delight in the Lord. 37 verse 5, first we must commit our ways to the Lord. Then He will do those things. Hey, the desires of our heart, just like the desires of this man, the initial desire was that He had all of this stuff and i got to make sure that I am taken care of. So what did He do? He acted upon it. Hey, our initial desire needs to be, God, you are first. God, you're my focus. God, you're my number one. God, you are this. God, as I walk every day, my eyes are focused on the cross. In every step that I take, I pray that I will look forward to you. My grandpa used to say, look up before you look out. So many times, I look in and out before I look up, and then I look up to make sure that he can align now with the things that I've made sure will happen for me. See, here's what this guy could have done. And maybe he did, we don't know. He could have built all of the barns. He could have sat back and said, wow, God, you are so good. Thank you for being so great and awesome to me. Hey, God, now that you've given me all this stuff, Let me make sure that it looks like I'm giving it back to you. Do we not do that all the time? We we set the plan. We do the thing. We, we, we. And then we go, oh, stink. I didn't add God into that. Hey, God, now that all this is going on, I want to make sure that you're in this and you're blessing all of this. No, it's backwards. God, let me 
desire after you. I'm desiring you. I'm focused on you. I'm trusting in you. God, I'm putting my actions towards you. Then he will give us those desires. See, this gentleman, this man that we're looking at this morning in this passage of Scripture, he, just like you and I, had a dilemma. Just like you and I, he made a decision. His decision was to build those barns. His building of the barns came from the desire of his heart, which was me, me, me. And then God says this at the end of that passage of Scripture as we come to a close this morning in verse 20. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. The last point is, you may look at it as almost morbid, but it's death. He had a dilemma. He had a decision. He acted on that based on the desires of his heart. And God said, hey, I'm going to take all of you. You don't have you. Now what do you do with your stuff? See, you and I will go beyond an eternity. The things that we have will not. Everybody in here knows that. I don't have to tell you that. I don't have to let you know that it's appointed unto man once to die. Unless Jesus comes back and takes us all home, we're all going under. Each and every one of us. The things that we have don't go with us. God just looks at this guy in, in the, the parable and he says, hey, those things, what are you going to do now, you fool? Basically, he said, you moron, you idiot. What are you going to do now with all of that stuff? Because you've done nothing but provide for me, for you, for me, 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 I, I, I. This man played in essence, a roulette with his eternity. And oftentimes, can I, can I say this as I wrap up this morning? And can some of you give me an amen? I've only been up here for almost 30 minutes, and I'm getting ready to wrap up. Whoa! I should have started that talk a long time ago. Then I'd have got a smile, I'd have got something. I don't know if I'd take that in a bad way or... Can we do a, uh, we'll have a big business meeting in about a month, and then you guys can vote as to if I come or go. No. But no. We often do the same thing with our spiritual life. I want us, as, as I wrap this up this morning, I want us to just think of where we are, where you are. Because just as this man played, and, and that's probably a really bad word because we're in Vegas and roulette, but he, he basically played roulette with his life. Because he said, God, look at all of the things that I have, and I've stored them away, and I'm going to be okay, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. And here's what oftentimes we have done. And I pray that it's a challenge as I, I'll wrap this up, and I'll give you a couple action things to, to think about this week. But as we... As we come to know Christ as Savior, let me ask you what you do with that. With our spiritual lives, 
we, in essence, have played the Russian roulette table and we've taken God's word and we've set it on the shelf. We've taken the, the, the things and the Christ-likeness that we are supposed to be striving for and we've just put it on the shelf. And then we've came back later and we've gone, well, why are my kids the way that they are? Hey, I'm sorry, I read a lot of different things and one of the things in a Christian world I read, I read often is our teenagers are not coming to church when they become 18, 19, and 20 years old. Let me inform you of of a good portion of why that is. Because I have accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I've taken God's word and I've said, there you go. It was good for me here, but every day that's too hard to do. And here's what's important. It's really important that my kids have everything that I never had. It's really important that my kids get everything that I wish I had. It's important that my kids think I'm the coolest dude in the world. It's important that my kids, it's important that my kids, it's important that my kids love your kids. But there's one thing that's most important in your home, and it's this. See, we've shut this out of our lives by putting it on the shelf opening it up on Sunday morning and then closing it on Wednesday or closing it throughout the rest of the week because then our kids look at you and they go, why am I doing this? And when they get 15 and when they get 16 and 17 and 18 and 19 and 20 years old, they're going to say, wow, that was really cool. I got to go to an activity as a teenager. And when they get 35, they're going to say, thank you, mom and dad, because I played 8,000 sports But I didn't know Jesus in my home. And I know that this just got real in here. You thought finances were bad. This just got more real. But here's the reality, guys. You and I have a dilemma. You and I have a decision. You and I have desires that affect that decision. You and I have all of these things. And none of those things which I just mentioned are bad. My kids play sports. My kids have things. But I pray that my kids never come home to my house. And this has been put on the shelf until the next week. The biggest thing that scares me to death, and maybe this is wrong to say this, but as a pastor, that I would preach to you and that I would go home and my kids would say, that guy up there is not the same guy that's in my house. I don't ever want my kids to leave my house at 18 and 19 years old and be able to look at dad and say, he sure loved every person in my church, but he did not love me. He sure taught the word of God a lot, but he didn't teach it at home. All of the stuff that we're talking about, living generous, listen, I started this way and I'm ending it. It's not about money and finances. It has nothing to do with it. but we take the blessing of knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we take this book, and we set it on a shelf, and on Sunday we'll grab it, and we'll hold it really close to our heart, and we'll wear the right outfit, and we'll say the right thing, and then we'll put it back on the shelf, and we go home, and there is nothing. And that's not just for those of you in this room that, don't, that have kids in your house. Hey, your employees or your coworkers see the same exact thing. When you've put it on the shelf and you've came to work the next day, they see it just as much as your kids would see it. Hey, what are we doing with the blessing that God has given to us? 
Many of you raised your hands. Yes, I'm rich in Jesus. I could do it again and say, hey, raise your hand if you love Jesus. Give me a big shout this morning. Let's give God a round of applause. We could do all those things, and I'm not making fun of those things, but I would get almost all of you to be like, woo! But then we put it down. And then we pick it back up. And next week, we'll pick it back up again. And we'll put it back down. And we'll pick it back up. Hey, my challenge in this series, and I pray that you get the heart behind this, and I pray that you you get all these things. My challenge is that every day of our lives, we would say, God, my heart is open to you. And God, today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to something. I don't know what your routine is, but God, to, I'll give you mine. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up about 5.30 in the morning, maybe 45, 6, somewhere in there. My alarm's going to go off, and I'm going to wake up at some point. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to brush, I'm going to go downstairs and I'm going to read and I'm going to pray and I'm going to go upstairs, I'm going to brush my teeth, I'm going to get all my stuff together and I'm either going to get on my bike and pedal over to the gym or I'm going to get in my car if I'm lazy and drive to the gym. And when I'm at the gym, most likely I'm going to put headphones in and I'm going to be completely oblivious that there's any other people in the gym and I'm going to do my own thing. Then I'm going to leave the gym and I'm going to come to the office. And I'm going to go upstairs or I'll probably go and see the kids and say hello, give them a kiss and hug and whatever with school. And I'm going to go to the office and then I'm going to probably come right back here to that computer and I'm going to put the sermon online so that you all can listen to it again or you can not. And then I'm going to go from there and I'm going to go up to my office and I'm going to begin to study. And I could go through my whole entire day, and then who knows what will happen in there. I know I've got to look at a building or something tomorrow, and there's some other things. I don't know what's going to happen. But that's going to be my day, and I'm going to go home. And most of the time, here's, this is what I do. I don't know what you do. You may be ten times better than me. I go through my routine, and I like to say, God, whatever you have for me, here I am. But while I'm at the gym around people, I have my headphones in going, "Mm," and I do my thing, and I don't talk to them. I don't look at them. I don't communicate with them. I definitely don't invite them to church because then I'd be the weird guy at the gym, and I don't do any of those things, right? Then I'll go to McDonald's after the gym and give me a Coke because Esther says it's good for me. Here's my point. We talk of how much we want to love Jesus and how much we want to live generous and how much we do this. Can I challenge you in the next few weeks? God, open my heart. Open my mind. Open mind will be next week. God, open my hands. That as you place things in my heart and in my mind, that my hands would be open and that I would walk through the door and do what you've placed in front of me. That could be a million different things, church. That could be you taking the the simple invite that sits 
on the chairs or on the floor or in the thing in the pocket in front of you or whatever. That could be you saying, God, I have one of these this week, and I'm asking you that you would open my heart and my mind and my hands, that I would walk through the door as you put somebody in my life, that I could invite somebody to church. That could be something as far as you going to the Starbucks this week and the guy that stands behind you or the lady that stands behind you and you say, hey, you know what, whatever they want to. That could be you doing that at a fast food place where you say, I want to give $10 towards a meal behind me. I, whatever it is, that's, some of those are just simple. But I'm, am I open-hearted to what God has for me to walk through the doors every single day? See, living generous this morning is not about you or I and our financial state. It's about you and I having my heart open to Him and that it becomes a lifestyle of God. What do you have for me to do today? How can I invest into the kingdom today? How can I do that that's what living generous is. But we have to go through this. And we look at all of those things, the dilemma that we go through, the decision that we have to make, the desires that affect that decision, which starts in God's Word or should start in God's Word. We go through that list. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.